Hey, Chloe. What's the state of the union? You know what? Let's talk about it. Welcome back to Fact of Life with Chloe Noller and Maddie Grace Watson. You are listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. to the Fact of Life podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're so excited to be with you. Today we're jumping into the State of the Union. This is a speech that the president gives every year to the Joint Houses of Congress, and he updates the country on the State of the Union. President Biden gave his last week, and so we're jumping into that today. Maddie Grace, tell us what's up. Alrighty, so first up, we're going to go over President Biden's State of the Union address and kind of get into some different things that happened at this year's State of the Union. And then coming up on segment two, we'll take a quick look at the um, State of the Union rebuttal from the GOP, which for those of you who don't know, every year the um, opposite party that does not have the presidency gives kind of their own rebuttal to the State of the Union. Um, It's kind of like their party's official official remarks uh, since a lot of times now the State of the Union is a little bit more partisan than originally was. So they try to kind of get their get their foot in the door there. But first, we'll kind of look at the State of the Union. And I'm not going to lie, overall, this was not my favorite. In fact, it was very far from my favorite. But um, I just really felt like there was no uniting here at all. You know, I think that's something that's so important right now. Like, our country can be so polarized. And, one, and something that's really important, I think, is for us to start working back towards... Um, a culture of unity, even 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 through discord, even through whenever we disagree with one another, um, there's still something that unites us, and that's you know being American. So I think that's something we need to be working towards. And I just really did not see that with this year's State of the Union. Yeah, I think it's vital. I mean, when when a, a president is getting up to talk about the State of the Union, like their presidency that they've been presiding in and you know they are responsible for the state of the nation they need to be open and honest but also uniting we are one people and there are two different parties and there's a lot of different opinions and viewpoints and I mean as there should be there always has been that's one of the beautiful things about America is because there's so many different viewpoints but the state of the union should be a unifying call to the people, updating the country where it's at and where it needs to go in the future, you know, and that's not not what we saw. Yes, exactly. Um, before we really get deep into the different things President Biden said, um, we want to take a quick look at some different people that were in attendance. I especially like looking at the uh, Supreme Court justices that choose to attend. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the Supreme Court justices, usually they sit right up front. Um, the mili- They usually sit by the military. And throughout the speech, you know, you'll see a lot of uh, Democrats or Republicans. They'll stand up, they'll cheer, they'll clap and everything. But since the Supreme Court is a nonpartisan branch, they are not allowed to react whatsoever. And so I always like watching them because they have to sit there so stoic. And like, I could not do that. I am not even kidding. Like, (laughs) there's no way I could do that. But, um, yeah, they sit there. This year, we actually had, I think, five justices in attendance. Uh, Chief Justice Roberts and then Justices Kavanaugh, Barrett, Jackson, and Kagan. Um, which, I don't know, as far as, like, like for me, I didn't realize that not all of the justices went. I think I was just yeah. assumed that they did. Yeah. But then I realized um, 
this time around that they didn't. And it's actually pretty common for them not to. And we also saw retired justices Anthony Kinney and Stephen Breyer there. But um, I, I think even the fact that the justices do attend is another point to why the State of the Union needs to be unifying. Because mm-hmm. you have the people there that are trying to uphold the nation in the most vital way, and that's supporting the Constitution. And to do that, they need to be nonpartisan, unbiased, and and just, like, very wise people for the, for the people of the United States. And, you know, when the president is standing up there completely ridiculing or um, speaking out against something that the Supreme Court has done instead of trying to unify the country like that that's really big and I very much disagree with that I just think it's an example of why the state of the union needs to be unifying is because those supreme court justices are there and they're trying to uphold our nation you know yes exactly and I think so many times not just not just in this specific state of the union address with president biden but in so many years past so many times the president will get up there and obviously, there'll probably have been something the Supreme Court, like, ruled on that he didn't agree with. And he chooses State of Union to get up there and just completely bash them for it. And to me, that is just so unclassy. Like, are you, like, why are you willing to stand up there in front of these people who are, are in such an honorable position that they can't and won't react to you? They are in the highest position in America. Like, higher than the president. Yes, and, I mean, their, their position, is I feel like, is so abused by other people so many times. But... I think the State of the Union needs to be a place where the Supreme Court justices can go and not feel like they're in a battleground the entire time. Um, and, you know, obviously we don't know exactly the reason every single justice that didn't attend didn't attend. But um, so, like, for Justice Gorsuch and Sotomayor, both of them, we're not entirely sure why they didn't attend. But, like, with Justice um, like Justice Thomas, he's he said before that he stopped going after 2006 because it's very uncomfortable to sit there for a judge to sit there since become so unpartisan. I mean, so, sorry, excuse me, so partisan. Justice Alito hasn't been in attendance since 2010 when he kind of got, like, he got a lot of media attention. I even remember this when I was, like, six years old because um, he mouthed the words not true after President Obama made some remarks on one of their Supreme Court rulings. That was a big ruling, too. Like, mm-hmm. I can understand his his desire to speak, but, like, I think yeah. there's a proper way huh. to do it. Yeah, for and sure. I just don't feel like I, most I presidents do it in the proper way. Maybe that's why he hasn't shown up is because he just knows that he couldn't control himself. Honestly, that would be me. Like, that would be me. Yeah, I feel like it'd be most people. I just wouldn't show up. I can I can see why he wouldn't. Yeah, I can understand that. I think I would try my very best to show up because I feel like I don't know. It, it's it's a hard thing because it's like when you know you're going to be mistreated there, but you also feel like your your branch does like should. Right. Needs to be represented. It, it needs to be represented. I think it's interesting because Justice Thomas hasn't attended since 2006. And an article mm-hmm. by The Hill said that Thomas, he explained why he hasn't gone because he said it's very uncomfortable for a judge to sit there since it's become so partisan. It's exactly what we're kind of talking about here. He said there's a lot that you don't hear on TV, the catcalls, the whooping, the hollering, and the under-the-breath comments. Um, I just, yeah, I can't imagine. I, I don't know what that would be like. Not right. I, I think... It's just, it's one thing to say things about things you disagree with involving congressmen or other people who can, like, actually do something about it. But when you're sitting there and disrespecting our nation's highest court and they're so respected and honored that they can't and won't do, like, react to it, it's just, like, that's so low. 
and it's not just President Biden that's done this. Oh, absolutely like, not. It, it is yeah, like this, this it happens a, all the time. It's like a it's a it's a problem like consistently. Um, right. And um, yeah, I mean, Thomas hasn't attended since 2006 and that was when George W. Bush was in the presidency. You know, it it's mm-hmm. it has just become this super partisan thing and you know, the state of the union used to just be like the president's address to Congress talking about like George Washington gave states of the state of the unions, but like it wasn't I mean, obviously it's not it wasn't mm-hmm. televised back then, so that's different, but you know, it's it's become this huge thing and it's a neat opportunity for the president to come and talk about how the nation is doing, but that's what they need to be doing and not not walking on party lines, mm-hmm. um, which most presidents do. Yeah, I, it should definitely be more of a uniting thing, a more of a, an update. And obviously there's going to be things that come near party lines. You, you can't talk about what's happening in our country without it. But for sure, it's for such sure. a unique opportunity to unite the country. And right. I feel like just like that, that place is starting to get lost. Definitely. But um, let, yeah, but for sure. Now, um, let's take a look kind of at some different like specific things that President Biden touched on in his speech. Um, while we do that, just a reminder, you are listening to Fact of Life with Chloe Noller and Maddie Grace Watson on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. So with that, um, let's look at some things that President Biden kind of touched on. From the very beginning, like from the moment he walked in the room, you could tell part of his speech, um, which is interesting, as you'll notice what we talked about, or what we've talked about so far, you can very much so he was trying to push a bipartisan front, um, which was interesting because he, he really, in my opinion, he did not do a good job at that. Um, he kept referring to the Republican, um, the Republican Party, the Republican congressman as like my friends on the other side. But I really just a lot of what it looked very passive aggressive in some different things he said. And then there was one huge moment whenever he said that Republicans wanted to sunset Medicare and Social Security. And the Republicans in the chamber, like they went crazy. Like, they protested like very loudly. Um, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene like stood up and yelled that he was a liar. Some others like followed her example. Um, it was this big thing, and then he was like corrected it to, you know, not a majority of Republicans, and I, I'm not entirely sure which member of the GOP said this, but they yelled, then don't say it, and I, watching that live was so interesting. What he said was a very accusing, he accused the entire Republican Party of wanting to get rid of these two, you know, major programs, when in fact most of them, and you know, he he admitted a few few seconds later that most of them didn't want that. Um, so that was just a very interesting, it was a very raw moment because he wasn't on script, um, following their reaction. So it was kind of like a, oh, what, like what's, what's going to happen next? You know? Yeah. I don't know. It just was sad to see such a hostile moment in the chamber. It was just, yeah, the Republicans were so angry and I mean, I think for good reason, but also like this is a televised thing. It's live. Like you have to be careful with how you act and, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a tough call, but I think it all comes back to like the point of the State of the Union, and that's not the point. The point is not to just call out the. I mean, to some extent, you need to be calling out where like things need to be changing, like f- for the good of the nation. But when you are just mad because something in your party didn't get done because Congress didn't pass it along, I mean, that's their right. I mean, mm-hmm. th- we have three government, we have three branches of government for a reason, like. You have the legislature and the Supreme Court and the executive branch to balance each other. And right now there is that the House um, has a Republican majority. And 
you know, that that's the way it is. And that's how the election turned out. And for President Biden to stand up there and be upset about the Congress not getting things through that he wants because they're not letting it through. Like that's the people talking because mm-hmm. that's the representatives, especially not the Senate. It's the representatives. You know, it was interesting seeing with that large reaction from the Republican Party, um, you could see over President Biden's shoulder, um, Speaker McCarthy was kind of he he was not in a, not in a very outright way, but he was like very subtly like like shushing the Republicans, like like saying like like you could just like see him like mouthing it like 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 don't just like don't react like let's just get through this. Um, which uh, I think from the very beginning, Speaker McCarthy was very upfront about, you know, he said leading up to the event, he said he was like, I'm not going to be ripping up any speeches like there's going to be no I theatrics. Know. I was so glad to see that no speeches were ripped up this oh, time. Thank Good goodness. Um, but yeah, which is which which I regardless of what you agree with, regardless of how you agree with Speaker McCarthy on. Um, other things I in this instance I found his choices there to be very respectable um, kind of taking that I feel like he he stayed very true to that classic you know this is the state of the union we're going to be respectable about it we're not going to agree like no matter what president Biden says even if it's not in the you know respectful nature that we we would want you know we're we're going to uphold that and I think leading the house especially the especially the republicans in the house in that way um i feel like that was a very good approach and one you know in that instance that i really liked but um yeah you could just see throughout the speech with president biden he kept referring to republicans as my friends and then would say make like passive aggressive comments with them afterwards almost like my friends was supposed to somehow balance out what he was saying um which was it was it was interesting because it's like, I don't think calling them my friends is just going to, like, magically fix what you're saying about them. But no. go ahead and try by all means, sir. It's hard for me to watch that kind of thing because there's just so many blatant lies. And I think our country is really hurting right now. There are so many issues. I mean, our foreign policy is in shambles. The, the southern border is not a border. And we're heading towards not having free elections And the division is just growing deeper and deeper within our country. And there is a huge record of inflation. I mean, I don't think it's been this high in four decades. And gas prices are hugely high because of Biden's policies. And um, it's like the country is there are so many issues with the country right now. And those were not addressed. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting because... They they really weren't. And then like the, the few times that he did address them, like he mentioned inflation, but he talked about it um, almost as a thing of the past. I, I don't have the exact quote up with me right now, but I do know he he referenced like inflation and like the debt and stuff like with President Trump and how um, under President Trump, like everything had been like so bad. And it was like the worst it had been seen in decades like all I of just, this stuff. I can't believe that. And then it's like almost and it, it painting the picture as if he was like this, some sort of like, this like, um, this like, the, like for lack of better wording, this like savior that had come in and saved a country. I'm like, what are you like? What like? Uh-huh, he was like, uh-huh. he was handed a thriving economy, a, a great foreign policy. He was handed a country that was rebuilding itself after all of the lockdowns and. It, it was on the rise again. Thank you to President Trump, um, you know, regardless of how we may feel about his campaign to re- run again and things like that. 
President Trump undeniably was the best thing for our nation during that time. And he he really did the best things for our nation. And we were respected in, you know, amongst the world. We were actually, you know, we were we were actually a part of the world stage and and our economy was thriving and good things were happening. And yet President Biden has the audacity to stand up there and act like there's nothing wrong. And in fact, he made it better when in fact our country has, I mean, has not been this divided since the Civil War, you know, and it's not that bad yet. But, you know, we're headed that way. So it's just so sad. And that was that was not addressed. And that is the true state of our nation. It's crazy because he really, you know, one thing you've seen with state of the unions in the past is the president kind of uniting our current state with our like perseverance of the past. And what you saw with President Biden here is the farthest he just the farthest back he went in history was just kind of like our our near past. Um, and it really goes straight into that talk with inflation and the economy and everything and how he saved all of this stuff. And it's like. Like, that's the farthest back he went. And even in going back in the past, it was just to bash other people. So it's like, how are you uniting our country whenever we don't have all, like, I guess there really isn't even a common history anymore to unite us with because everyone likes to make up their own history or whatever they want to do nowadays. But it's just the farthest back he went was the near past. And even that was to bash the past presidents. Like, that's not respectable whatsoever. No, I mean... There have been, there's just, there's such a heritage, a rich heritage of American history. And, you know, it's, it's like we, we almost, it's almost like we have a class called American Heritage in <laughs> Hillsdale. Um, but there's so much to be learned. And John Dickinson was one of the founders. Um, and he wrote, he wrote a quote that said, experience must be our guide. Reason may mislead us. Um, and I just think that's so obvious when you will stand up there give a speech about the state of the nation without even referring to the past learning from what's come before then you know as John Dickinson said like we would we will just be added to the nations that have failed um and that that is that's a warning that's a warning for our country um I was reading reading that yesterday in the letters of Fabius um when John Dickinson was writing to get the Constitution ratified. He was saying, we must be a virtuous people and be um, willing to sacrifice some of our rights for the greater good of everyone else, meaning, you know, uh, entering into that social contract for the Constitution. And he said, you know, if we do that, we will succeed as a nation. But if not, we, yeah, we will be added to the nations that have failed. So, you know, that is not something at all that President Biden has touched on. I mean, I don't really think that I've ever heard a speech where he actually brought up the Founding Fathers or anything. Mm. I just don't think that he likes to talk about that. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I'm now that you mentioned that, I'm trying to like recall. Um, obviously, I don't have a like a database of President Biden speeches in my head. But but I mean, no, but you would. Yeah. With with like President Trump speeches, like I remember just so many times. Yeah. No, for sure. The old president's. And, no, and that, that's a good point. That, that is an interesting point. I never thought about that before. But yeah, no, that's so true. I just, I really don't think he has. Um, so with kind of ending out our first little segment here, here's our ending question. Do we think 
with this speech, President Biden was setting himself up for a 2024 presidential run. Um, personally, I think I think he might have been um, just because of his attempt at kind of pushing a little bit of a bipartisan front. Um, I don't think he was necessarily successful in uniting in that way, but I think there are definitely some things like um, that were a little bit different than a normal State of the Union, you know, that, that bipartisanness. Um, he shook Speaker McCarthy's hand when he walked in, you know, congratulated him and um, some other Republicans and um, just different things like that. So I don't know. What do you think, Chloe? Yeah, I don't know. That was That's a good question. Um, and I think only time will tell. So just want to remind you, you're listening to Fact of Life with Chloe Nuller and Maddie Grace Watson on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7. We'll be with you right after the break. Welcome back to Fact of Life with Chloe Noller and Maddie Grace Watson. You are listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. with us for our second segment of the day. We're talking about the State of the Union rebuttal by Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the governor of Arkansas. This was a very different speech than the one that President Biden gave, but we thought we'd dive into it, kind of look at what she had to say and the differences between her and uh, her approach and President Biden's approach. So, Mighty Grace, start us off. Yeah, absolutely. So this year, since President Biden is a Democratic Party, the Republicans um, chose someone amongst themselves to kind of give their response to his speech and give some reactions. And um, a lot of times the opposing party really tries to contrast what the sitting president has said. And so this year they chose the governor of Arkansas, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, as Chloe said, to um, give their speech, um, which I was very happy of because if you don't know, I am a native of Arkansas. And so that was, it was so fun. I literally was so excited whenever I found out. I think I like called everyone I knew. I was like, guys, guys, my governor is speaking. Um, So that was absolutely amazing but she gave the speech um it was a video from the governor's mansion there in arkansas and um before we kind of dive into what she said i don't know this could have just been a me thing but uh, i noticed something that i immediately noticed watching it is she was like sitting in a chair for her speech which if you've ever watched sarah huckabee sanders do anything you know she is very she was the white house press secretary and so part of me wondered this is completely just like random you know theories here but i wonder if her sitting in the chair for the speech was like an intentional way to kind of bring her more like authority and respect i don't know chloe do you think i'm like far off on that one i I could i could very much so be far off on that one i mean you're you're right like that could be that could be a thing i haven't really seen other rebuttal like other rebuttal speeches Mm -hmm. so i'm not really sure if that's like a normal thing but, I mean, that is definitely true. Like, President Biden is standing the whole time, um, and she normally does stand for everything that she does because she is, you know, she was a press secretary, things like that. So, um, definitely could be a thing. It does kind of convey power and just kind of like, a we're calm. not, we're not, yeah, calm. I, I like that. Like, we're not worried about this because mm-hmm. we know that we have the people on our side, you know, like we mm-hmm. have 
we have the support of the nation. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It um, almost felt more personal, too. Yeah, definitely like, more personal. Like, you're sitting down with her and having a discussion with her as opposed to right. her standing up there and, like, like teaching at Talking you. Talking at you, yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, you know, that is how the State of the Union yeah, works. Yeah, obviously unavoidable there. But, yes, definitely but definitely I, was an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. I think that was, a, was an uh, interesting and maybe even smart move on their part yeah um, she def- definitely is an incredible order oh um, absolutely some love of, listening some to of her. her lines i just like repeat like wow like how did she come up with those lines so i think with that kind of like the best way to look at her speech is to I go mean, through and look at a few different lines i'm sure she has speech writers too but yeah this is true very true but um, i mean because you know the whole republican party had to like sign off on this speech but yeah absolutely there's no way she could write every single speech she does on her own but i mean i'm sure she had I mean, obviously, she had a say in it because, like, it was very personal to her. Mm-hmm. Like, she talked about her family a lot, which is something I'll talk about in a second. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think we always forget that. We're like, that was such a great speech they gave. You know, like, George Washington's addresses, like, his second inaugural, his first mm-hmm. inaugural, his farewell addresses. Like, we're like, oh, my goodness, it was so incredible. He had Alexander Hamilton and James Madison <laughs> and Thomas Jefferson in his cabinet. So, like, yeah, there were going to mm-hmm. be really good speeches. We're kind of lacking for those for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, it, it's really great. I, I loved, I love some of the lines she pulled in this, her opening line. Um, I really liked, she said, being a mom to three young children taught me not to believe every story I hear. So forgive me for not believing much of anything I heard tonight from president Biden. That was a really sad line. Like, I was like, okay, like first, first <laughs> words coming out of her mouth. And she's already like tearing into the state of the union um and like immediately making that connection like with her family with her children she's like i'm a mom i'm like a part like i'm a family i'm a family person like you guys and here we have like president biden like lying to us it's like accomplishing two things at once like from the get-go which i think it's also interesting like saying that because she's the youngest like executive officer and president biden is the oldest executive officer like yeah. he's literally double her age oh absolutely it's and ridiculous that's one of the things she like capitalizes on in the beginning is she's like yeah president biner i are like complete opposite she's like i'm the youngest he's the oldest i'm like the first woman like i'm this like all all of this like <laughs> stuff well not the first woman like in general but like as yeah. in no, first no, woman as sure. the governor of arkansas but um no she definitely makes those contrasts very early on um which um like goes along with this as well which is absolutely like i think it's a lot of her placing and wording with all, all of those things were very well yeah i what i love about the opening line though was that she made that connection to her children which you just said but that was such a contrast because the one thing that you had president biden say about children was that he was going to fight for the right to murder them and and that was to thunderous applause from the entire room i mean not everyone stood but I just, that was one of the most horrifying moments for me. I know there were a lot of Democrats that wore um, a pin that said abortion on their jackets, and they wore that to the State of the Union, and then President Biden makes this outrageous statement against um, the Dobbs case, you know, again, fighting back at the, the Supreme Court justices for things that they had done, but that was just a really, a really, like, dark moment for me in that speech, where he literally said that we're going to, he personally, with his own, you know, with his arsenal of of being the executive of the nation, that he's going to do everything in his power to make abortion legal. And I just, I hated that. That was such a horrible moment for me. And I really found that so evil. I just did not, 
Oh, it was so terrible. So to see Sarah Huckabee Sanders get up there and like in her first line talk about children and and not in that way was just so comforting. No, exactly. And I think that kind of plays into her her whole narrative of I'm everything President Biden's not. Um, but it was great. You really saw that thread of her, you know, prioritizing her family throughout it. And that's one thing that I really, really appreciate about Governor Sanders is that she always puts what's most important to her, like, like first. And you can always, like, she always brings up her kids in, in her speeches. And it's great to see kind of the responsibility, like, the love and responsibility she takes as she's, like, she like she's a mother. And, like, that, um, that, that that's just, like, a really great and inspiring thing to see. You know, someone who has such a successful career but is also being a mom and, like, putting her job as a mom and a wife first. And, you know, that's absolutely incredible. But, um... Going on, she has some, like, other really great lines throughout the speech. She says some, like, some obvious ones, like, government exists not to rule the people, but to serve the people. And America is the greatest country the world has ever known because we are the freest country the world has ever known. Um, And then she says, like, with with the people who are strong and resilient. And one thing I noticed in the speech is her segues were, like, absolutely incredible. So, like, she immediately segues from with the people who are strong and resilient into, like, her battle with cancer during the past year. And um, I feel like that's that's a really good strategy there, like, as far as, like, speech um, writing goes, because you're immediately relating, like, you are a strong, resilient people, and here's why I'm one of you. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I went through this great battle that a lot of you either went through and know someone that went through. And it immediately relates it with those people. Um, you know, she and then she goes on. She thanks like Arkansas doctors, a successful surgery and the grace of God. And I think each of those things were very, very well placed because, you know, she's thinking, oh, like um, here I am giving you the like GOP rebuttal. But also she like goes back and like you, you're reminded like, oh, like she is a governor, like she mentions her state. And then I l- absolutely loved how she um also like mentioned and like thanked like the grace of god because you can we'll we'll talk about that a few more times throughout her speech but she is not shy about her faith and like you can like she is very outright about how that is at like the forefront of what she does and i just i really think we need more people like that in politics i loved her mention of that for sure i think just looking at the speech you know i want to be sensitive to the fact that like obviously she's a republican we tend to vote along republican lines um you know, and President Biden is a Democrat. And so we're not trying to be partisan here, for sure, but just like objectively looking at the speeches and just looking at what we know to be going on in the country, that's kind of the perspective we're coming from here. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders goes back in time, talks about the founders. She talks about what's come before. She talks about the American people. She's unifying. She's not, she's calling out the the things that President Biden has done for our country that have have heard it she's she called him out she actually talked about what's going on like about how you know biden's refusal to stand up to china and for his you know practically aiding russia in in the things that they're doing and you know his his lack of of backbone for things like that in foreign diplomacy and for afghanistan and you know for inflation and he's she's holding him accountable for those things but that's what this state of the union address is meant to do it's meant to address the state of the nation, like what is actually going on, but it also needs to be unifying. Um, and, you know, if we talked about in the beginning, like what that's meant to be, I really see her being unifying here where she's talking about how the people are resilient and 
how I, I love that line government exists not to rule the people but to serve the people that is so true that's a founding principle of america and something that is being completely abused by the biden administration completely and utterly and so i i like that she's there to kind of just just speak truth you know mm-hmm. i think the biggest thing we saw here is um as opposed to just simply saying like to the american people i'm with you i am one of you she showed it you know she related back she talked about you know being a mother and she talked about her like a battle with cancer and so she she did say she did kind of in that way say like you know i am one of you but you could see why and and, and it made you really feel that way and like the different things she said it really related to that whereas i i think that president biden and even other politicians i think have a, a hard time doing this they're like i am one of you i grew up like this but you never really see or feel related to them in some way it just it doesn't it never happens yeah you know she called him unfit to serve as the commander-in-chief you know the biden administration is more interested in woke fantasies than the reality americans live in every day that's just so true you know she said americans want to live their lives that that's true we do we want to you know have a thriving economy and stable jobs and you know no fear of chinese invasion she was willing to just call him out on that. I I think that was important. You know, she also says that Republicans will lead with courage, not give up on this fight and do what is right, not what is politically correct or convenient. Then she says, we believe in an America where strong families thrive in safe communities, where jobs are abundant and paychecks are rising, where the freedom our veterans shed their blood to defend is a birthright to every man, woman, and child. There's just so much to unpack there. But, you know, like Chloe mentioned earlier, here she has every every man, woman, and child. And I think that is, like, directly... There's no way that was not directly um, kind of as a counterbalance to, you know, what President Biden said with abortion in his speech. Mm -hmm. She's saying, like, every man, woman, and child deserves that. Um, Right, not just the ones that were planned. Yeah, exactly. We're going to do what's right, not what's politically correct or convenient. And so, you know, she wants strong families, thrive in safe communities. And she said, like, where jobs are abundant and paychecks are rising. And I think that was a really great one to add in there because I think a lot of times people associate, you know, the the thing, a lot of times, wrongly so, people associate the Republican Party with, like, the opposite of that. They're like, oh, like, they don't care. Like, because I think a lot of what the Democratic Party pushes forward they're like, oh, if you follow us for sure, this is the only way you're going to be better off. You're going to, there's going to be more jobs. And so people just automatically assume sometimes that the Republican Party doesn't care about jobs, doesn't care about paychecks rising. When you look at this immediately, you know, she's, she's pulling that out. And so it's one thing that you assume her to be against kind of subconsciously sometimes. So it's like, no, like she actually does want that for, for the people there. Yeah. I mean, I think something for the Republican Party as a whole, I think that it's important to know, I mean, every party is imperfect and there are a lot of things that the Republican Party does that I do not agree with. You know, and I think it's important too, as Republicans, they should be giving us a plan forward and understanding how we're actually going to fight against bad policies and what the Democrats are doing to our country and these just extreme leftists, which is something I didn't really see. And not that it's you know, this is a shorter speech. She's not going to lay out the path forward, but I didn't notice any like tangible, like we're going to do this and push this bill through to fix this problem and things like that, Um, which I feel like as a whole, the Republican Party lacks. They don't have a good answer to what the Democrats do. They love calling out the Democrats and that is important. You know, you need to make sure you're holding them accountable, 
But that's not the end of it because if you're not going to do anything about holding them, like do anything about calling them out, that isn't going to fix anything. And so I think the Republican Party is guilty of this as a whole of just kind of saying, oh, we're going to stand up, we're going to fight, we're going to hold them accountable. That's great. But we need to actually have a plan forward and know and, and let the American people know how that plan is going to go forward. Yeah, I think action is absolutely necessary. I think, um, you know, like you said, this was a smaller speech. I know at the end she did mention, uh, then she said tomorrow, but, you know, it's it's passed already, but mentioning um, a, some education um, plans she was putting forward. And so I think in this speech she, she did mention, uh, she did recognize, she's like, I'm releasing these tomorrow, and she did release them. And I think it is interesting because, like, with President Biden, you know, he is over the entire country. And so, like, with Governor Sanders, she um, is only over Arkansas addressing the entire country. Mm -hmm. So um, I do think it's coming, like, a little bit of a different perspective there. And um, I I do – I did look at that that plan she put forward as far as education goes. And um, it's a very, very, like, intense plan. Um, I'm a fan of it. I know some people who aren't, though, but – it's a it's a really cool thing to go look at, but I definitely do ag- agree that um, action like 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 words and claims do need to be followed by action, and I think there could be a better job of that overall. But um, yeah, uh, absolutely. With with that, I feel like a lot of times our political culture is a lot of words saying we're gonna fix this, we need to fix this, this is what's wrong, and there aren't where where, where there are some plans. There aren't nearly as many of them as there should be sometimes, but, um, you know, just got to take that um, instance by instance. But one thing that she, that Sarah Huckabee Sanders did in her speech that I thought was um, a, a good use of, a good use of her life story was she pulled in, she said, like, down the street is my alma mater, Little Rock Central High, and she mentioned that watching her dad and President Clinton hold the doors open for the Little Rock Nine all these years later. And I thought this was a really smart move because she was connecting some things like as simple as her high school with such a big national event everyone knows about. And, you know, she's mentioning her dad and, you know, President Clinton. And um, she says, I'm proud of the progress our country has made. And that's when she segues into her education package. Um with giving every child a good education, like the education package that I was mentioning earlier. And she called, she says that giving every child a good education is our civil rights issue of today. And I just really feel like the connection she made with that, um, you know, connecting that to a past event we all, all agree, we all know well, and with um, her education package that she's putting forward, it's just so many like ties there, also tying with her dad, who is also a governor and a president. It was just like such a good, like, like a package deal right there. Um, I, I really I really feel like her segues are gold Like in this speech and all of her speeches. I feel like she does an amazing job with those. I did like her, her point talking about President Clinton because, again, that's kind of reaching across the aisle. I think that that was a wise decision to include that. She brought up a story that she likes to bring up within her speeches. Um, I won't go into it for sake of time, but it's a great story to go look at and go listen to. She brings up going to uh, Iraq with the president on Christmas Day one time, and it was a really great unifying story. It's, it's a great one to go to go look up. Um, and then she kind of ends it talking about a new generation of Republican leaders stepping up, not to be caretakers of the status quo, but to be change makers for the American people. And um, her 
her closing line is just really beautiful. Um, I think it's a great way to close out this podcast in general. Um, she says, we may not know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future in his hands. And with God as our witness, we will show the world that America is still the place where freedom reigns and liberty will never die. Thank you. God bless you and God bless America. Um, I loved that. I thought that's so true. I think that that's something that we need to be cognizant of and remember who actually holds our nation and who Mm -hmm. holds the world in his hands. And that is God. And, you know, our state, the state of the nation might not actually be that great, but God is in control and Mm -hmm. he's working his plan. And we can trust in that and trust that he knows what he's doing. And so I love that she brought that up and mentioned that, but that was good. Yeah, it was, it was a great, very reassuring and very true line to end on um, and a great way to end our podcast as well. So if you like this episode or if there's anything specifically you want to hear from us, as always, you can email us at factoflifepodcast at gmail.com or message us on Instagram and follow us while you're there at factoflifepodcast. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Transistor or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, you know, you can also find us on the Radio Free Hillsdale Transistor page. They um, upload our show along with many other ones by students here at Hillsdale College. And of course, listen to us on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM if you are in the Hillsdale area. Um, As always, my name is Chloe Noller. And I'm Maddie Grace Watson. And, and we, we approve of this message. message.